Welcome to Sci-Fi Tech Talk, the podcast where we explore the technology of sci-fi. I'm Mike McPeak, and with me today is Jeff Sire. Hello, everybody. And Julie had um, things come up, so she's not going to be here today, so it's just us. But today, we're going to talk about the uh, 1996 movie, Mars Attack. Um, And so the synopsis is, Earth uh, is invaded by Martians with unbeatable weapons and a cruel sense of humor. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. (laughs) Not, not. You don't really have to elaborate a whole lot. I mean, okay, this you know, you know, every once in a while we like to throw in a you know, sort of a fun sci-fi movie, or you know, ridiculous at least. Um, and so we, you know, we put this one on the list, and uh, yeah, you don't need a whole lot more. You get uh, people uh, frying, and you get uh, red and green skeletons. And I guess the reason I think somewhere i read that the reason for that was is released around christmas time so they thought i'd give it that pleasant holiday cheer oh <laughs> yeah <something clears throat> along that line yeah i i see it was released december 13th 1996 i saw this in the theater but i don't i don't really recall being being around christmas so yeah and like i said i just that was something i picked up from the trivia and so finally uh, and you know this movie um uh, I think a couple of years ago, uh, the Target store started an online streaming service, and so to entice people, they gave you ten movies. Well, this is one of my ten movies that I kind of, I didn't wasn't one of the first ones I picked, but by the time I'm, I've got like you know five picked already, and there was a couple Star Trek movies in there, so it wasn't completely bad. But uh, I'm kind of getting down there. It's like, what else is there? Well, there's Mars Attacks. So um, you know, I finally have a reason for picking that movie now. I like this. Like it's yeah. it's it's totally campy, but it's like intended to be that way. And oh, yeah. uh, it's it's based on that apparently uh, an old set of trading cards uh, that kind of it's from what I, I looked at the trading cards, and it seems to follow the story pretty much exactly, um, except for in the trading cards they had uh, the aliens somehow controlled these giant uh, insects, but other than that, like. Uh, they had the robots. The aliens look almost identical to what you see in the movie, and uh, you know they had the flaming cows and everything. So yeah, and I think I read because uh, I kind of buzzed through the trivia here quick. I think I read here somewhere that they didn't realize that there's a story on the back of the, the screenwriter didn't realize there's a story on the back of the cards, so he wrote it sort of independent of uh, what you know was on the back of the trading cards or the story that went along there. But I mean, you got aliens and you know they blow up stuff and you know so i mean how far well, can you deviate so. if you got a set of the cards and just looked at them all because they're all numbered and they go in order um you don't actually you probably wouldn't have to read the story because it more or less tells the story just in pictures sure um yeah so and uh, and a lot of the visuals that are on those cards you see in the uh in the uh, movie, like the flaming cows right at the start, you see that. There was a bunch of other ones that like, I recognized as being right out of the movie. Um, yeah, and, you know, the, uh, we're all about the tech here. And they had some, well, they had some interesting tech in here. And there was a fair amount of it compared to some of the movies that we did. Uh, you know, first off, the, uh, you know, since this is an Aliens movie, we must have flying saucers in there. Yes, and these were like these. If you haven't seen this, they're like the old school flying saucers. Yeah, I I can't I can't find it right offhand, but it was a uh, out of one of the uh, 
they modeled it after like a 1955 movie, I believe. So it's it, like I say, it's camp. It's kind of a I won't say a tribute, but kind of a throwback to some of the alien invasion movies. Um, and I think they wanted to use the uh, the sound that they used for the uh, original War of the Worlds movie, but Paramount wouldn't let them use it, so they had to come up with their their own sound for this movie. Yeah. But it was uh it was I don't know. I would recommend this to anybody. Like it's it's Oh yeah. You know, it's it, this isn't like your, you know, hardcore sci-fi stuff, but it's really good for a laugh. Oh yeah. And you know, depending upon how you feel about certain celebrities watching them getting them fried, yeah. yeah. Okay. There's that's a benefit. Uh, well, and I had forgotten like I think uh, cuz this came out in 96, there was a couple of people who were not big stars then, like Jack Black. I did, I'd completely forgotten he was in this. Uh, and who – there was somebody else that uh, – oh, Natalie Portman. She's just a, like a like – a, not a little girl, but she's just a teenager. Yeah, and I, I completely forgotten she was in this. Yeah, and um, uh, again, one of the trivia things, she's handing out awards at the end, and she does the same thing in uh, the – Star Wars movie was it Phantom Menace? I can't remember my which one she was in, but the, the she uh, she hands out uh, uh, medals at the end of that movie too, and and for our uh, listeners who are from uh, not from the United States uh, and even maybe a few people in the United States, the line of progression does not go president, vice president, first daughter. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, because I'm at the end there, and she's handing out stuff. And I thought the uh, mariachi band playing the Star Spangled Banner was a yes. interesting choice. Um, but uh, no, that's that's not the line of progression. But I guess if she's the only one left, because Congress got zorched, and so did the the President, First Lady, and uh, a whole a whole bunch of other people got uh, you know zapped along the way. But um, and you know the next thing that kind of came up in that movie as far as tech was that translator, which. Okay, I realize this is a comedic science fiction movie, but boy, was that thing clumsy and clunky. Yeah. Uh, you had to rewind tape and run it through to hear what they said. Yeah, even for 1996, that seemed to be... Uh, well, uh, I guess a lot of the technology that they had, they were... Uh, this this really was kind of like a stylized throwback to the 1950s or early 60s card series. So, I yeah, like... Well, and even when they showed the army, uh, like the jeeps and all that, like uh, you know, you guys all had Humvees and Black Hawk helicopters in the mid '90s, and uh, but all of the stuff that they're showing, they didn't do, they didn't make even an attempt to get modern military stuff. They used all like, night, you know, Vietnam era military equipment. Oh yeah, the, it, there's um, yeah, kind of an homage to uh, yeah, like I say, I think the. Uh Sci-fi movies of the fifties and sixties, where you had the, um, you know, the big swaggering generals, and because uh, all these generals, they were like you know big he-men, because um, you had uh, Rod Steiger and um, who was the, oh, I'm blanking on the guy, uh, the other general. Um, oh, Rod Steiger. No, there was Rod Steiger, but then there was the other one. The uh, oh, uh, yeah, the guy he's been in Star Trek a bunch of times. I uh, just saw his name here. Yeah, I'm trying to because I it's a lot. Paul Win, Paul Winfield. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of these people I know. Well, a lot of these people I know, but there's some of these that you know the names. You just or you know the faces. You just don't know the name or you can't remember the names either. Um, 
Yeah, there was a lot of big stars in here, and you know, frankly, a lot of them, you know, got toasted at the end. But uh, uh, you know, um, yeah, I don't know where it's going. No, but like I say, it was a, a throwback to the uh, the fifties and you know, stylized and that kind of stuff. And I, you know, like I say, it's, it was sort of an homage to uh, the, a lot of the alien invasion movies that we had uh, coming out at that time. So yeah, it was kind of you know, cute and campy and uh, not too serious, but. Uh, uh, and, you know, we kind of mentioned the, uh, the the death rays when they kind of shot out their their red and green little uh, squiggly uh, lines there. And then I, I thought it was kind of interesting. They just uh, kind of burned the flesh off and left the skeletons. That's a yeah. interesting way of doing it. Well, yeah, and uh, then stained the skeletons either. Was, was it red or green? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that was uh, – they could have just made him go up in the ball of flames or disintegrate or something, but no, he left all these skeletons laying around, you know, all over the place, which, I don't know, to me that would just be messy. If you're going to kill people, uh, if you can get rid of the flesh, get rid of the bones, too. Um, <laughs> makes cleanup a little easier. Um, but, uh, so you, you had that, and then the, the other thing, I put it down here, I don't know if you, you know, exactly know what I, I meant by it, but they fired the nuclear missile at the spaceship, and so they send out this little thing, and it just kind of sucks in the nuclear missile, yeah. <laughs> and then they take it on board the spaceship, and they just inhale the nuclear missile and then laugh at us. So you know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, and then they they uh, they talked uh, with the uh, nuclear missile fumes like it was helium. <laughs> uh, yeah, as as aliens want to do. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Because you know aliens are just smart asses. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, the whole thing that apparently Martians don't like doves or they thought it was a weapon or something, because that's kind of what started the whole shooting thing is this, you know, the, the hippie guy out there in the uh, audience is, you know, oh, it's all peace and love. And so he releases a dove and it flies at the Martians. And they freak out and shoot it. And then the whole world goes up in smoke. Uh, so that'll teach you don't release doves, people. <laughs> well, I. I wondered at some point when I was watching it if this the um, the birds were somehow tied into the Slim Whitman music killing them, but I, I don't think it was. I think it was just its own little quirk. <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah, you know, to you know, put a somewhat serious uh, spin on this, if we do have you know visitors from another planet here, what we think is normal could be frightening or threatening to them. So you know, the fir- the um, the first contact. Is going to be fraught with, you know, do we, you know, we don't want to offend people. You certainly don't want to start an intergalactic conflict. And it's just going to be real interesting. Whoever it is that we meet first, hopefully they, you know, aren't too trigger happy and will at least try to figure out what's going on before they, you know, zorch us back into the Stone Age. It's probably safer if they just kill us, though. Uh, maybe. Uh, yeah. Well, and then, you know, because I don't know. I might rather be dead than to have a chihuahua head grafted onto my body. Um, True. That was just, um, I don't know, I guess they were just seeing what they could do to us, but uh, something about Sarah, Sarah Jessica Parker with a chihuahua head on, and then their disembodied head over there floating around with Pierce Brosnan. That was uh, somewhere between funny and creepy. I loved Rod Steiger's character of like attack, attack, kill, kill. <laughs> yes, and, yeah. then, and then as he's being shrunk, he recites um, 
uh, Churchill's uh, uh, speech about, you know, we will fight him on the beaches, we'll fight him, you know. It, Except for he's doing, he's like an Americanized version of it. It's like, we'll fight him in the subdivisions and the, you know, the quickie marts. And I can't remember what else he was saying, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like I say, he played, uh, yeah, this movie is about stereotypes. And, you know, one of the stereotypes is the uh, trigger happy military man, shoot first, don't bother with the stupid questions. Um, yeah. But, you know, to be fair, you know, if you're. The thing about the military, the military is, uh, you know, it's that thing that if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Well, if you're in the military, mm-hmm. assume everybody's an enemy and let the, the guys in suits figure out what's what, and then you're there. Um, but, you know, there is something to be said for military preparedness and to be ready and to have a plan. You know, don't get caught with your, your shorts down, but... Uh, I and I I kind of have a trouble uh, trouble with the way movies do that sometimes that you know the military men are always the trigger happy you know let's just go slay something I I'd be willing to bet that if you talk to a lot of military people most of them are they I'm sure you have your contingency of people it's just you know let's just shoot things but I'm pretty sure that there's more people in there it's like you know we're we're willing to fight but let's try and you know figure this out first before we have to start using the bullets Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, because peace is preferable, I think. so. <laughs> well, I think, quite frankly, if or when we ever you know, come into contact with aliens, um, <clears throat> I, I don't think they're going to – they have no reason to take, o- take us over. Like, you know, one of, the, one of the things that got rid of slavery was the Industrial Revolution, like – Machines are cheaper than people, right? Uh, Nobody's going to come here and enslave us. Uh, Nobody's going to come here and take natural resources uh, because it's just easier to mine it from some rock in space. Like if you have the technology of traveling between the stars, it's easier just to, you know, latch on to comets and take whatever you want from there. So the only reason they would have to come and take over anything is <clears throat> if they're looking for the environment that exists here already. And, uh, yeah, so if they ever did come, you know, and, and if you have the technology to travel between stars, uh, it would be probably child's play to annihilate <laughs> right. anybody that's in your way when you get there. Yeah, the only other reason would be that um – well, that they would want to get rid of us would be as if they're trying to build an intergalactic bypass and Earth just happens to be in the way. Yes, yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, and, you know, we had plenty of time to know about it. The plans are in the basement of the, you know, planning center. And that's, anyway, that's a different sci- work of science fiction. But, um, no, that would be the, you know, if they came to Earth, um, yeah, like I say, um because you always see, you know, that's one of those tropes you always see in the movie. Uh, I was trying to remember what was that one with, uh, that movie with Tom Cruise in it where uh, they had come to uh, the aliens had come to harvest our water. I can't, we've done so many shows. Oh, uh, Oblivion. Yes, that's one. Yeah. We've done so many, I can't remember them all. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, that one or the ones where they come to use us for slave labor or something, yeah, like you say, it, it makes for scary science fiction, but in reality, yeah, we're, I, you know, we'll work under the assumption that we're safe. Now, what we may have to worry about more so is that they're um, either, you know, so advanced or so cruel 
that they just look at us like potential lab rats or, you know, something like that. You know, that could potentially be, you know, they want to experiment on us and see what we can do. That I would consider a little bit more viable scenario, more so than stealing resources or, you know, enslavement or anything like that. But still, you would hope that if they're... Well, and they did use that, uh, and it turned out wrong. They did use that theory in the movie that obviously a civilization as uh, advanced as this is not a warlike creature, you know, warlike uh, uh, civilization. They are here for peace or whatever, you know, and, until they, you know, fried us. But they, in their minds, yeah. there was some sort of provocation. It was like just came here to make war. But but I think like when you when you compare first contact between two cultures that have very different levels of technology the one that has the the higher level of technology they don't even have to be malicious like you you look at uh, Europeans coming to North America without even trying to just by bringing you know European germs over they killed millions and millions of of uh, first nations people in North and South America like and that that's before they even started you know shooting anybody right so yeah like it, it's kind of like a you know if you have a you know huge kid and a little you know baby like you don't have to do anything malicious it's just you, you know the size of one just can cream the other one right right and you know if you don't uh you know understand that uh you know cuz if they were, you know, aliens were to come here, and they saw that uh, Earth is three-quarters covered with water. Well, therefore, they must be able to live underwater because, obviously, they wouldn't confine yeah. ourselves to the, just the land masses that we have here. So then they would try to put us in the water, and then we, you know, we end up drowning. You know, yeah. it's similar to a kid who, uh, you know, takes, uh, you know, uh, tries to be nice and, you know, takes the butterfly and handles it or something and, you know, destroys the wings or something. It would be, yeah, more through innocence, I would hope, that, you know, they would do harm to us than actual, you know, malevolence or anything like that. And this was uh, continuing in Hollywood's uh, vein of aliens who are morons. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like uh, they have the technology to do all this stuff, but they're complete idiots. Like you know, like ET and like well, pretty much every alien that you uh, come across in Hollywood. That you know, oh well, we have to teach them some socially relevant thing that they've never, never occurred to them or whatever. Uh, yeah, and if you were listening to their when they the alien spoke. All they ever said was, ack, 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 ack. I love that. <laughs> yeah, and apparently, uh, again, something else I gleaned from tri- trivia, that when they were writing the script, they just put that in there as sort of a placeholder, and they kind of went, yeah, why not? Oh, and they just left it? That's yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else? otherwise you'd have to do something like, I don't know, come up with uh, some you know variation of the uh, Klingon speech or something like that. And as long as you're going the moronic route, why not just have them uh, sound like they're saying this, you know, same thing so oh sure yeah uh, yeah i i yeah i loved it <laughs> uh yeah and like you know and it was all done tongue-in-cheek you know we uh, this would be we could maybe have i don't know more fun with this movie if they were trying to be serious and were stupid then it's easier for us to rip it apart but this one here they, they, they knew they were making you know space camp here um and so they didn't take anything too serious and they it looks like they had a lot of fun doing it um you know you're just running and you know um a couple uh, 
let's say somewhat personal connections to me uh, for me to this movie was uh, when they were in Las Vegas and they blew up that uh, uh, that one motel. The it's the landmark uh, motel. We actually st- my wife and I stayed there um, oh twenty. Uh, coming up on 29 years ago because um, my son is 28. We didn't know at the time, but, you know, Deb was pregnant when we were out there in Vegas. But we stayed at the Landmark Motel. So as I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking, yeah, we used to stay in that motel. And then, boom, they go and blow it up. Um, it was the one with the tower? or Yeah, uh, the one oh, with, okay. it looked like a spaceship on the top. The, uh, okay. the, the guy had the little model there on his desk. So, yeah, that's the Landmark. And so they actually blew it up for this movie. Uh, yeah. And now it's just a parking lot. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you, you'd say, you know, not that they're going to commemorate anything that we did when we went to Las Vegas, but you would have hoped that you know the one, the, probably the only time we may get out to Vegas and the place that we stayed is now a parking lot. That's not exactly what you call a romantic story. Uh, <laughs> no. And then the other uh, connection for me to this movie is that when the aliens are flying around, they uh, fly to South Dakota and the deface Mount Rushmore. That irritated me because that's that's our state's you know. Uh, uh, national treasure there is you know the the uh, monument to uh, uh, freedom or whatever and and they went and put the uh, Huey Dewey Louie and stupid or whatever on uh, whoever those guys were on the uh, in place of the four presidents so um, you know and it's yeah go ahead and, and they you know they didn't take any of our stuff too seriously they uh, tipped over the Washington Monument several times yes um, I, I like that tipping it back and forth. Trying to crush the the Boy Scouts or whatever they were doing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they're they're having fun while they're killing us, jerks. Um, but like I say, that was my two uh, kind of personal connections to the movie. But um, and you know, and then you know, we kind of alluded to it. But uh, I put it in the notes here as Slim Whitman as a weapon. Um, yes, yodeling. Um, I always found yodeling fascinating, and apparently Martians find it deadly. Um, yes. Well, it makes me want to kill myself, so. <laughs> Are you a little, 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 little. Oh, hey, oh, my brain. <laughs> oh, no, don't don't explode. I'll be doing this podcast alone. This may not end well. Um, but, yeah, and so they just start broadcasting it on uh, yeah, everything that they can, and it's just uh, inside their little fishbowl helmets that they got there. All of a sudden, they kind of go, plink, and it looks like, you know, green jello on the inside. So it, it may take me a while to eat green jello again. Um, but, uh, I, you know, and it's the same kind of trope that, uh, was used in, uh, uh, the war, war of the worlds that, you know, it's that insignificant thing. And in the books it, or in, you know, war of the worlds, it was some germ here. It's just, well, Slim Whitman. Um, but it's mm-hmm. that little thing that, uh, you know, you just don't quite really, that we don't consider important, but you know, it's for whatever reason is, is deadly to them. It's the whole David and Goliath thing that, um. Uh, uh, you know, killed by a little uh, little guy with a, a stone. So, um, you know, that's a kind of a trope that's been around for centuries. Right. Um, but what other uh, tech did we have? Um, I don't know. Not. I mean, they had different. Oh, um, you know, they had. They had like, the- they had the ray guns that they were shooting, the, the pistols and the rifle. But uh, uh, they were just kind of like, you know, melt people and set them on fire. Yeah, and of course they had the uh, the uh, basically satellite dish that came out of the top of the uh, flying saucers and, you know, aimed death rays at people and, you know, cut things to shreds. So. Yeah. Uh, 
Now, you know, there, like I said, I've mentioned the, the carnage in there. Was there anybody in this movie that you actually felt bad for getting zorched? Because most of these people were, well, jerks. Uh, um, I felt bad well, for the dog. Yes, yeah, that was true. <laughs> and when you, uh, when you thought um, the boxer guy was dead, oh yeah, you felt bad for him because he was a good guy. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anybody else you <laughs> felt really bad for, though. Yeah, I mean Jack Nicholson. Um, Both yeah. Jack Nicholsons. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We're in the middle of a political season in the United States here, to, so anytime you see a politician get it, it's kind of like, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I better watch. I may have black helicopters circling over my house here sometime. But, uh, you know, just to see a politician get zorched like that is kind of like, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I didn't feel too much uh, a sympathy there. And, you know, he, he was trying to... Uh, well, of course, he was – and then you had Martin Short as his press secretary. So they were trying to play it uh, for publicity's sake like any good politician would do. Um, and he just made a series of not good uh, decisions there that just kind of led the country into, you know. Um, you know and then, okay, so they, they land and they vaporize some people. Hey, let's invite them into Congress. They won't do it this time, really. No, yeah, yeah, not the, <laughs> and you let them walk in with their guns again. <laughs> well, are you going to tell them to leave it at the door? I mean, well, first of all, how? Well, with the translation machine, it'd probably take them half an hour to tell them to leave it at the door. Ack, ack. <laughs> My wife is a what? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be the other thing. Trying to learn their language because obviously, if they only have one word, it's all about the inflection and apparently length or something like that. So. Yeah, that would be a an interesting language to try and learn. And okay, I guess going back to the translator. Uh, okay, it's a MacGuffin uh, for the story. But how would you know how to translate something, or is it just like this thing will take any language and instantly analyze it? Given after you rewind the freaking tape and play it back through, the, well, analyze any language and convert it over to something that we can understand. Well, we've got that movie coming out in November, uh, Arrival, and that's kind of the whole, seems to be the whole plot of that movie is uh, uh, aliens show up and like, how do we talk to them? Um, I don't, I don't know that you, <laughs> like if you don't, if you don't share any sort of background, I don't even know how you could converse, right? Right. You would have yeah. to start with... Uh, well, like a lot of the things you see in the Tarzan movie, you hold up Apple yeah. and you know point at that, and so you get objects down, yeah, and then you start. I guess I don't know with motion. So, but but that's just assuming that whatever aliens you meet communicate audibly. Well, this is true. Yeah, because uh, if it's you know telepathy, um, we're probably screwed because that's mm. not a talent that we have. Uh, I want to say perfected, but we haven't even done it, period. As far as we know, there's a few people who claim uh, different things. And, you know, some of the uh, the telekinetic stuff is fake because you got, uh, was it Yuri Geller that uh, bent yeah. the spoons with his mind or whatever it was. Uh, so some of those guys are just fake. But, um, you know, that's, you know, so, uh, that or, you know, <clears throat> 
but you look away the way different animals communicate different things. Like, um, there's lots of animals that communicate by like, you know, transferring information by, you know, pheromone or scent or something like that. Right. Or, or like, uh, the way whales communicate through like, uh, like a complex song, and they're communicating fairly large amounts of information. And, uh, yeah, like I, I think it would be – that would probably be, you know, one of the biggest challenges is like, you know, how would you even begin to – well, and communication almost assumes that they have to think at least somewhat similar similarly to you just in order to have some sort of way to – like you have to have a common frame of reference, right? So if the aliens that you come into contact with have like some sort of hive mentality, they might not even have a need to communicate in a way that we could even understand, right? Yeah. Because they never would com- be communicating to anybody else. It's just communicating within their hive or whatever, right? Right. And, you know, it could be that, um, you know, maybe it's such a structured society that you would have people uh, or beings um, with certain skill sets and nothing more. So you may, you know, kind of like an ant colony, let's say. You have your worker ant, which all it does is work. Uh, and, you know, if they were the first ones to land here, um, you know, they would communication wouldn't be their thing, building or whatever. You know, so it could be that, you know, the whoever we run into, the first ones we meet, may not be their leaders they may just be the scouting party or whatever yeah and not even you know able to communicate or you know have ideas of for communicating with us but you know you said something about communicating by you know pheromones or by smell and i'm just thinking okay I'm, uh, I, maybe they should put this in the movie um you know they're sitting there uh they're trying to communicate with each other and all of a sudden, somebody farts, and they take it as a sign of aggression and nuke the whole planet. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's those inadvertent things that can cause everything to go wrong. Uh, you, you know, sometimes we don't even have to, well, it's not even a matter of being a jerk. Sometimes you just do something, and they take it as a sign of aggression and just, you know, nuke us. So that may not end well. Uh, so the moral of the story is, first contact, don't eat beans the night before. <laughs> I wonder if that's going to make it into a first contact manual Just, somewhere. Probably not. Okay. <laughs> well, you never know. Uh, no. Huh? Yeah, and, you know, I, I'm going to guess that somebody has put together some sort of a first contact manual. I, I, you know, where would you start and what would you put in there? I mean, we do, we don't have any idea. Um. You know what? What is it we should do? What is it we shouldn't do? I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I don't want to be in charge of that because um, trying to figure out what, how we would communicate would be, you know, what we should say, what we should be doing. Obviously, communication is not my my specialty here. Um, but, you know, just trying to figure out what it is as a society we want to say. Because, um, you know, I'm thinking about when they sent out the um, Voyager spaceships they put the the gold record on there right which right. comes back to haunt us in uh the star trek m- movies but anyway um you know they put things on there that they thought might be you know explain this planet to people but um you know you don't know and the other thing is um 
if I remember correctly, I think they put some mathematical formulas on there because apparently, you know, supposedly math is supposed to be the universal language. Well, but what if they have a different numerating system than, than what we do? Or they think in maybe terms of three-dimensional math or whatever terms you want to make up. Um, so that's not a given either because, like I said, it always kind of bugs me in these movies. Oh, yes, math, and I think sometimes I throw music in there too. Is the universal language that everyone – well, math is usually the one. Is the universal language that everybody can understand? Well, unless you don't do math. But, um, but, but uh, like in the movie Contact – when they started to receive the signals, now the it was in base ten, but they the signal was uh, all the prime numbers from I don't know like the first twenty prime numbers or something like that, that were done in like just kind of beeps, right? So that's something that any intelligent race should be fig- able to figure out. So if we sent that out as a message to somebody else and they got it and they they use like base sixteen. They would still recognize that as, okay, this is something significant. These are numbers. And they would be able to figure them out. Oh, okay, these are the primes in base 10. They would be able to figure that out because we, be, we would be able to figure that out. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you can't really, you know, well, I shouldn't say that because it, it would be interesting if somebody could envision a world where math wasn't used. Um, I don't know what that world would be. Well, I, I think you could, but I don't think I, I don't think you could achieve uh, space. Uh, like, well, you see, even even like a highly technical society, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You you certainly no, you certainly couldn't achieve like a a complex economy without math. Uh, I don't think, anyways. Um, well, but it- that's not to say that like that. Uh, you know, it's it's very possible that you could have intelligent life that wouldn't require economics, right? Like, right. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, and like I said, this is based on our assumption. Yeah. Uh, you know, because maybe there's uh, you know uh, ethereal beings out there that are just you know, yeah, gaseous or whatever. Um, like we suffer from the fact that we've never met anybody, uh, another intelligent race. So we just kind of look in the mirror and like, well, okay, I guess that's what they'll be like. Right. Right. Like we, we have to kind of extrapolate off of ourselves. I, I, I I know I've said it before on the show. I think that that will be one of the biggest uh, challenges when we encounter uh, another, you know, intelligent species is determining that they, that it's intelligent because it could very well come in a form that we might not originally initially recognize as being intelligent. Right. It could or self aware. Yeah, it could be or you know, it could be some sort of, you know, non corporeal being that, you know, this stuff doesn't make any sense to them because they are just they are. They don't have, you know, requirements like food and drink and water and math and numbers or whatever. They're just you know, they're just I don't know, pure energy or, you know, something like that. So um yeah, that's gonna be the the, the thing is like un- the, no, the, uh, seeing the intelligence and then being able to communicate with it. So, um, you know, we have ways to go down that road. Um, okay, well, I think we've, you know, covered, unless you can think of something else, I think we've covered the tech in this movie. Um, was there anything in there that you wanted? That's, you know, interesting stuff. Anything in there that you wanted or... 
Well, I would love a spaceship to travel around. That'd be fun. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know. <clears throat> maybe body transplants. If I could put my head on a better body, um, that would be kind of awesome. That didn't seem to be uh, overly successful. <laughs> well, I, I don't want a dog body. I don't think I could maybe run faster. Well, heck, I could probably be able to run. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, of course, then who knows? Maybe I get maybe my head could get put on Sarah Jessica, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker's body. Um, I don't know. That would just get weird then. Yeah, it's a, you know, you best, best not to talk about that. <laughs> no, no, that's just that. That'd be a whole different podcast, uh, and take transgender to a completely different level. Um, yeah, so um, I guess that kind of that wraps it up for this movie. Um, so you can check us out at uh, SciFiTechTalk.com, where there's plenty of cool space junk available for purchase. Pop into the forums there and take part in our conversations or follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Tech Talk. If you have any ideas or comments, please send them to greetings at sci com, and reviews on iTunes are always welcome. So, Jeff, where can people find you? People can follow me on Twitter at BroncoSire. That's S-Y-E-R. And I can be found on Twitter at DSC Chipman, and I have my... Uh, about.me page at about.me slash Mike McPeak. That's M-C-P-E-E-K. And if you want to hear more of my ramblings, uh, come over and check uh, check me out along with Kevin Older and uh, Elisa Paselli and uh, um, the Mac Mommy, uh, Melissa Davis, over on uh, Geekiest Show Ever. Uh, next week, we're going to be uh, doing the book Ready Player One. In the year 2044, uh in the year 2044, reality is an ugly place. The only time uh, teenage Wade Watts really feels alive is when he's uh, jacked into the virtual utopia known as Oasis. Wade's devoted his life to studying puzzles hidden within the world's digital confines, puzzles that are based on their creator's obsession with the pop culture of decades past and that promises massive power and fortune to whoever can unlock them. When Wade stumbles upon the first clue, he finds himself beset by players willing to kill to take the ultimate prize. The race is on, and if Wade's going to survive, he'll have to win and confront the real world he's always been so desperate to escape. That's it for this show, and we'll see you in the future. It's the sci-fi tech